Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today is day 15 of Revelation and since we've gone through and one day we covered two different chapters in the same day, um, we're in chapter 16 today and we'll be going through that. It's pretty intense. The, uh, the wraths are poured out from the bowls in pretty quick fashion and it's a pretty significant judgment upon the earth. But before we get started into any of this, let's open with prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word. I'm grateful for the way that we can commune with you, communicate with you, and fellowship with you. And Father, I just lift up this time. I lift up my heart. I lift up the spirit. And I just pray that my eyes would be open, my ears would be open, and that my heart and spirit would totally be open to you and what you have to say. I pray you'd speak to us today and that we'd grow closer to you and that we would continue to seek you first, not your gifts, not your presence, not your solutions, but that we would seek you because you are you, the creator of all. So I pray today that we would listen well and be good stewards of what you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the seven bowls, let's just go ahead and get started into that. Oops, sorry. And let's just get started with ch uh, chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in it died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, you are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues but they refuse to repent and glorify him. That's a standard theme here, is people not repenting. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom, its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of from, the e from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle 
on the great day of God Almighty. Verse 15, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to, play, to the place that, is in, that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fury, of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell on people. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail, because the plague was so terrible. So, I just wonder, you know, I, I, I sit here and wonder what it takes to still refuse to admit, God, you're doing this because you're pissed. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Instead, people are just holding fast. What blindness has been put on them? What, what has caused them to have such intense hatred and such intense focus that they're unwilling to see what they've done? But they continue to. They continue to have faith in the, in the Antichrist. They have faith in you know, the, the city and the, the life or the structure that's been created. It's just uh, interesting and crazy to me. But people, once they latch on to something, I guess they just uh, really, really do hold on. So if we go through and start reading MacArthur's commentary and listen to, the, to what he says about certain topics. So for those of you who are new, um, we'll now re- go back through the chapter. I'll read a few sentences or verses. And then MacArthur, John MacArthur, who's a pastor... Um, for you know, 40 years, 50 years in Southern California, um, he has a commentary, and he'll pick out various words, topics from that those verses, expand upon them, and then we'll move on to the next verse. So from from one to two, it says, "Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth." So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul, loathsome, loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. So picking out first the first bowl and a foul and loathsome sore. Um, the Greek word to describe the boils that plagued the Egyptians and afflicted Job are used in this instance. In the New Testament, it describes open sores that are covered that covered the beggar Lazarus. Also, all over the world, people who with, will be aff- uh, afflicted with incurable, open, oozing sores. And then Mark of the Beast, only the worshipers of Antichrist will be afflicted. So that would indicate that there are still Christians on the earth. 
Verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Second, the second bowl, every living creature in the sea died. This is reminiscent of the second trumpet from, verse, from chapter 8, verses 8 through 9, and the first plague against Egypt. This plague is going to be much more widespread. The water is the, is the world's uh, the water in the world's oceans will become thick, dark, and coagulated like the blood of a corpse. The death and decay of billions of sea creatures will only add to the mi- misery of this judgment. Verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Um, third bowl. We're going to talk about uh, rivers and springs of water. Fresh water already in short supply because of the prolonged drought. Remember, there was a three and a half year drought. Um, We'll now suffer the fate of the oceans. In addition to suffering from thirst, the worshippers of Antichrist will have no clean water with which to wash their sores. Sounds like a living hell. Verse 5. And I heard the angel of the water say, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. Um, looking at who is and who was and who is to be, the phrase expresses God's eterna- eternality. Uh, verse 6 says that the eternal God will judge justly, because they have killed the believers and preachers of the gospel. This slaughter will have no parallel in history, and neither will the vengeance of God. Verse 6, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Given them blood to drink, the thick blood-like substance which the fresh waters have become is all that is available to drink. For it is their due, the angel exonerates God from any charge that his judgments are too harsh. This unspeakably wicked generation will shed more blood than any before it, including that of saints and prophets. God's judgment is fair and proper. Verse 7. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The altar is personified, um, echoes the words of the angel, reinforcing the truth that God is just in all. In all judgment, sorry. Verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Looking at the fourth bowl and the scorching with fire, the sun that normally provides light, warmth, and energy will become a deadly killer. With no fresh water to drink, Earth's inhabitants will face extreme heat. The scorching heat will melt the polar ice caps, which some estimate would raise the level of the world's oceans by 200 feet, inundating many of the world's major cities and producing catastrophic loss of life. The resulting disruption of ocean transportation will make it difficult to distribute the dwelling, the dwindling resources of food and water. Verse 9. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. They did not repent. Incredibly, sinners will still refuse, and instead blaspheme the God the one they know has caused their afflictions. Verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. The throne of the beast refers to either Antichrist's actual throne or his capital city, 
but extends to all his dominion. Regardless of where the darkness begins, it eventually covers Antichrist's entire kingdom. Full of darkness. Worldwide worldwide darkness is elsewhere associated with the judgment of God. Gnawing of their tongues, and I thought that was kind of weird. A futile attempt to alleviate pain from their sores, the drought, and the fierce heat. Again, what a bad situation. And they don't cry out for his help. They blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. So their blaspheming of God is a sign of their continued loyalty to Antichrist and their anger at God for the cumulative miseries brought about by the first five bowls. God of heaven, a frequent Old Testament title for God, appears in the New Testament only here and in chapter 11, verse 13. Their sores are the lingering effects of the first bowl are the chief cause of their blasphemy. Verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. The Euphrates is called the great river five times in scripture. It flows some 1,800 miles from its source on the slopes of Mount Ararat to the Persian Gulf. It forms the eastern boundary of the land God promised Israel. With its flow already reduced by the prolonged drought and intensified heat, God will supernaturally dry it up to make way for the eastern confederacy to reach Palestine. The kings from the east, God providentially draws these kings and their armies in order to destroy them in the battle of Armageddon. The reason for coming may be to rebel against Antichrist, whose failure to alleviate the world's suffering will no doubt erode his popularity. Or this may be a final act of rabid anti-Semitism intent on destroying Israel, perhaps in retaliation for the plagues sent by her God. Since the sun may have melted the ice caps on Ararat, flooding the valley of the Euphrates as the river overflows its banks and bridges, the land will be swamped. God will have to dry it up miraculously for the eastern army to get to Armageddon. Verse 13 And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Three unclean spirits is a common New Testament designation for demons. These are especially vile, powerful, and deceitful, like frogs. The figure further emphasizes their vileness. Frogs were unclean animals, according to the Old Testament dietary laws. Persian mythology viewed them as plague-inducing creatures. The demons are thus described as slimy, cold-blooded, loathsome beings. The dragon, the beast, the false prophet, the unholy trinity composed of Satan, the Antichrist, and Antichrist associate spew out this plague. Verse 14, For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Signs. These are supernatural wonders designed to deceive the kings into invading Palestine. Their impact will be so great that the unclean spirits are able to induce the kings to make the journey to Palestine in spite of their sores, the intense heat, darkness, and drought. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. The, the sway and the power that the antichrist has to convince nations to send their armies all to one location when they're suffering so 
It's crazy. Kings of the earth, no longer just the Eastern Confederacy. Now all the world begins to gather in Palestine for the final climatic battle. The battle of that great day of God Almighty is the battle of Armageddon. It is the great war with God and Christ. The war will end when Christ arrives. Verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and, that, and they see his shame. Watches and keeps his garments means that our Lord stresses the, the need for constant readiness for his return. The imagery pictures a soldier ready, ready for battle or a homeowner watchful for the arrival of a thief. Verse 16, And they gathered them together to a place called in Hebrew Armageddon. The name for Mount Megiddo, 60 miles north of Jerusalem, is Armageddon. The battle will rage on the nearby plains at the site of Barak's victory over the Canaanites and Gideon's victory over the Midianites. Napoleon called this, bat, this valley the greatest battlefield he'd ever seen. But the battle of Armageddon will not be limited to the Medigo plains. It will encompass the length of Palestine. Verse 17, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a Lord, loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. This bowl will complete God's wrath, except for the final judgment on the rebellious at the end of the millennium, which is in chapter 20, verse, verses 7 through 10, and immediately precedes the second coming of Christ. It will usher in the worst calamity in the history of the world. The voice from the temple in heaven is undoubtedly that of God himself. It is done means it has been done it has been and will remain done. God will punctuate the complete completion of his wrath with a devastating earthquake, the most powerful in earth's history. Verse 18. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her a cup, give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. The great city is Jerusalem will be split into three parts, not as a judgment, but as an improvement. The additional water supply and topographical changes will prepare the city for its central place in the millennial kingdom. Jerusalem is the only city to be spared the judgment and will be made more beautiful because of her repentance. City of the Nations God's purpose is very different for the rest of the world's cities. They are to be destroyed. Babylon is the capital of the Antichrist Empire and will receive a special outpouring of God's wrath as prophesied in Isaiah 13, 6-13. Chapter 17 and 18 give details of its destruction. Verse 20, Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. This a powerful earthquake, this powerful earthquake will radically alter the earth's topography, preparing it for the coming millennial kingdom. And lastly, verse 21, And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God before, because of the plague of the hail since that, that plague was exceedingly great. I can't believe it would be any greater than the others. I mean, those were pretty terrible. A talent is the heaviest weight of a normal man could carry, about 75 pounds. The huge size of the hailstones indicates unparalleled atmospheric convulsions, 
Such massive chunks of ice will cause unimaginable devastation and death. So there you have it. The, uh, the readings for, from the seven bull um, plagues that are put out and then the, the wiping out of basically the earth cities and the earthquakes. Not a good picture. Again, I'm grateful that I'm not going to be blaspheming God. I'm not going to be angry at God and that I love him instead. So with that, I'm just going to close us with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way you watch over us, you teach us, and you, you guide us. I just pray that we would continue to focus on putting your kingdom first, that our hearts and our minds would be first and foremost yours and it completely at your disposal. I pray that you'd walk with us and give us the strength to bring you glory and honor. I don't believe I can do it on my own. I believe I can only do it through your Holy Spirit. So I submit myself to you and your spirit. And I just pray that you would guide me and strengthen me. I pray for the rest of this day that we would enjoy it, that we would bring you glory, and that we would do your work, your work and your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God.